This is Felicia Ryan, and you're listening to Hi Felicia, which is my podcast. My guest today is Heather Angel. Heather works as a tutor, director, and chaplain at EV Kids, a Boston-based educational nonprofit. Her side gig is as a per diem hospital chaplain, so it's good that she has the last name of Angel. Heather was born in Malden and lived here again from 2013 to 2017. She worked as a shoveler through the city of Malden, which she'll tell us about, and survived the snowpocalypse in two successive winters in Malden. Heather now lives in Somerville with her partner and a hound dog. We've bonded over that fact. She is a member of the Malden Writers Collaborative, which uh, that's how I met her, and enjoys public transportation, the YMCA, and reading spiritual memoirs. She goes to the Y because she's a boxer, so we're going to hear about that today as well. And um, hope you enjoy. Thanks. So this is the second podcast of, of Hi, Felicia. Hi, Felicia. Oh, you're so good. I had to prompt my other <laughs> guest to do that. Um, and my guest today is Heather Angel. And I know Heather from the Malden Writers Collaborative. Um, I'm going to also tell you about her and her bio. Do you have anything specific that you would like to mention about yourself? Uh, that you're an extra special person? <laughs> that, that wasn't <laughs> what I was going to say. No, I think I tried to be as, as clever as I can in the bio, so... You worked as a shoveler through the city of Malden and survived the snowpocalypse and two successive winters in Malden. That's right. What is a shoveler for Malden? Is it actually... No, they have a shovelpreneur program where you can go through the city and get background quarry checked, and then they put your name on the website according to the ward that you live in, and people pay you. So like absentee landlords or like people that couldn't shovel would call me, and I I only took jobs I could walk to. And in Snowpocalypse Winter, I made $1,000. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. But then people thought I worked for the city of Malden because my number was on the website. And they would call me and they'd, they'd be yelling and complaining that they'd been plowed in. And then I'd have to calmly explain to them that I did not work for the city of Malden. You were doing like a good deed. Well, I was getting paid. Yeah, I know, but, but still. Yeah. Yeah. I met a lot of really cool people. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. It was fun. Then I'd always go to that. What's that diner on uh, Main Street? The doo-wop. Oh, yeah. That was where I spent my spoils after like six hours of shoveling. <laughs> I just melted all over their counter. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I don't mind shoveling, but we also have like the most massively huge snow thrower, oh, blower thing. That's good. And um, three years ago, my boyfriend stuck his finger in it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the, no. not the Not the auger part, yeah. but the part where it shoots out yeah. the snow. So it has like a little... Um, lever on mm-hmm. it and he went to clean it out and he ended up with a finger that looked like a lightning bolt. Oh my God. So it was broken and dislocated and he came in and he was like gray and his daughter was playing in the snow and she goes, threw open the bedroom door at eight o'clock in the morning and said, daddy hurt himself. You have to come quick. Oh God. And he's standing on the porch shaking his hand and I'm like, don't take your glove off. Don't take your glove no, off. Oh yeah. Do it at ER. Yeah, we went yeah. to Melrose Wakefield, the whole Yeah. And he ended up having wow. he ended up having to have surgery because yeah. it was so 
I saw a guy in the hospital last year for that too. I think it's unfortunately kind of common. It was uh, there was during snowpocalypse. Yeah. I think it was in 2017, actually. Maybe it was 2016. Yeah, snowpocalypse was 2015, I think. Yeah, oh, maybe that's when it was. Yeah, because our yeah. snowblower has been offline. 2014. 2015. It was. It was 2014. No, it wasn't. I don't know. Whatever year, I blocked it out. <laughs> yeah. It was like it can be tough here in the winters, though. Yeah. Yeah. I only took jobs. I was, I call it carbon neutral shoveling because I only used a shovel and I only walked to jobs. So maybe it would have have caught on if there are more hipsters here, but. And is the program still around? Yeah. Yeah. Oh Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. When I moved, I had to no longer partake. Right. right. So. And you miss us in Malden, don't you? I miss Malden a lot. I really want to, I'm hoping, I don't know. I'm hoping against hope that my partner and I can afford some little hovel here at some point, Mm -hmm. but we'll see. Yeah. So what other haunts were like Malden specific for you? We were, we loved Ferry Street Pub, mm-hmm. which is now closed. Yep. That was our, one of our favorite spots. Um, and Hugh O'Neill's, I've spent many a birthday at Hugh O'Neill's. Yeah. Um, Did you go to music night when they have the Irish The music? Irish band, yeah. I always went, I went to that. And um, I mean, the library is awesome here, as you know. It is. Um, uh, it's across the line in Everett, but Nana's Pizza was amazing. Is amazing pizza. One of the yeah. things I'm also involved as a citizen journalist at the Neighborhood View in Malden, which is the online newspaper oh, for okay. MATV. Yeah, yeah. And one of the articles that I think we're going to be working on soon is we threw it around in one of our editorial meetings. The idea that we have really interesting pizza places in Malden, yeah. and they're not just your typical. You know, you can get. Hope you guys yeah, enjoy. You can get Thanks. Greek, or you can get mm-hmm. Neapolitan, but it's like. Pizza and something else. So there's mm-hmm. one near me called The Bridge. It's right over the line. But it's Brazilian food and pizza. Oh, cool. There's another that's like Indian food and I pizza. I think there's a place you can get Salvadoran food and yeah. pizza, too. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's over in Everett, too. Yeah. But yeah, on So Main there's Street. this like, and so instead oh. of, you know, International House of Pancakes, it's going to be International House of Pizza. That's awesome. And you'll have to do some field work, maybe. Yeah. For I, that. Perhaps and, take pictures. And eat some and, pizza. And eat some pizza. Yeah. yeah so... Wow. That's one of our little things that might be coming up on Neighborhood View. I love that. Cool. So I I thought today, well, when we chatted before and we had some really nice, interesting overlaps, I had thought of you um, coming on today and us talking about sort of stress around holidays. Mm -hmm. And holidays for me, (laughs) for me and my thinking, start around Thanksgiving and go right after the New Year. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I feel like it launches us into this cold dreary and new england blues kind of Mm -hmm. weather but it also there's so many expectations there's so much stress Mm -hmm. um and i thought maybe with your background and chaplaincy and spiritual practices you might be willing to discuss that topic with me yeah i think it's a hot topic um how do you survive the holidays well, it's funny. Today's my first real day off. And I've Congratulations. Been, thank Happy you. vacation. Yeah, I'm very excited. Let's um, cheers. Let's cheers to that. Let's Coffee cheer cheers. Yeah. Um, I've actually supposed to be off all week, but I actually ended up working at my other job. So, yeah. Um, you you enjoy it, though. I, mean, I do. That's why. Yeah, I like work. Yeah, my family's been having this debate about whether or not I just decide to do too much, but yada, yada, yada. Um. That's I, part of my personality. As yeah, well, so I, I get it. Yeah, I had I, I had Monday. And I didn't have to do much on Monday, and I just was like, you know, pacing. So, <laughs> um, but I I think that um, 
it's really I feel like the holidays can be good in that it's a time where people kind of take stock of things but it depends on what your situation is so like taking stock can be a kind of helpful clarifier or it can be like crisis inducing um I think having some kind of I mean for me I'm Catholic so um on honestly as I get older Christmas for me is my specific you know holiday there like that becomes less of a um like a cultural practice and more of a spiritual practice Mm -hmm. I guess um and thankfully my family years ago decided to just we're all adults now and I have two infant nephews you know so there's no little kids running around so I I'm not a parent so I I think if you have kids it's a different it's a different ball game entirely um but we just do like a um secret Santa so I don't have to buy a bunch of gifts you know I still have you know I do I buy some gifts but it's not like insanity of running around and like going into debt you know, for Christmas. Um, but I think that, um, I tend to try to like have my, I take a lot of cues from like the landscape, you know? And I mm. think it's cool. A lot of like solstice things have come up in recent years. Obviously solstice has been a thing like before Christianity was a thing, but like that as sort of like something to celebrate the shortest night of the year as like a way to like just kind of stop and like re recharge and like the way that a bear hibernates you know and I think you can that can be something that you can draw some wisdom from and some cues from that like it's okay to slow down like the world is slowing down like winter is here it's okay for you to slow down and like you're part of this world and so you don't have to participate in like everything coming your way and there's also a lot of a lot of churches, mostly Protestant churches, have started this um, thing called Blue Christmas, where they have a yeah. service a few days before Christmas Eve, and acknowledge that like this is a hard time of year for people that have lost someone or have had trauma or mental health issues. That like this can be a really difficult time of year, and so rather than like shoving all that down and like putting on your Santa cap and pretending that things are all good, like kind of if you have the mental capacity and the support to be able to lean into that a little mm. bit and like. Just be okay with, uh, not be okay, but like explore it a little bit and like not have, not expect yourself not to feel, can I swear on this? Yes. Not to feel shitty, <laughs> you know? Like, like fuck yeah. It, yeah, it's, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's okay to feel like shitty, you know? And yeah. I think when I was younger, it was much harder for me to, you know, feel, not feel like everything had to be just the way it was. But, um, Thankfully, I don't have that expectation anymore. I know a lot of people still do, but... I think it's hard, and um, I think as I get older, I'm much better about managing my own expectations. And um, I think one of the biggest revelations I ever had was maybe about 10 years ago, I gave myself the option of not doing things like Christmas cards. Yeah. Because I just felt like... I mean, and that's something that should be joyful Mm -hmm. and happy because you're wishing someone a merry whatever or a happy whatever or season's greeting or trying to reconnect. And it just felt like this immense pressure and another thing on the to-do list. And um, there was also like the expectation that if somebody sent you one, you had to return it. Oh, God. And you had to get them out in a certain time frame because... You know, God forbid somebody get theirs late mm-hmm. or somebody not get one or a relative that you sent one to would know and see oh, it at somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. 
I have released all of that. I've never sent Christmas. I'm 36. I've never sent Christmas cards. <laughs> I do it sporadically, but like my siblings all have them like ordered with the dog and a sweater and shit. And I don't, yes. I don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe one day, but not now. And I, and I appreciate it when people send them to me and I almost wrote a little blog today because my neighbors who I live in a duplex, they used to live where we live. They live upstairs now. So we've been getting all of their Christmas cards. Oh, yeah. And every morning when the mail goes through the mail slot, there's this onslaught. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I got mail. And I look, I'm like, it's for Kevin and Lisa. Yeah. It's for Kevin and Lisa. It's for Kevin and Lisa. And I'm like, well, they probably send Christmas cards out. That's yeah. why. I guess, you get, I guess you get what you give, but yeah. But I'm okay with that. Like, yeah. It, it feels light and manageable and like one less thing that I have to add to my plate. Yeah, and I think it's important to ask like why are we why are we doing things? Are we doing things are yeah. we are we choosing things out of obligation or out of joy and like what's yeah, you know, what's the intention behind it? Who are we trying to please? I love the idea of bringing in a spiritual practice to the um there was a great um show on NPR today that was a lot about like gift giving and choosing not to give gifts mm-hmm. and blue christmas. There was a um, oh, cool. it was a pastor on talking oh, about I'll blue Christmas and it was like around midday, mm. midday they were talking okay. about it. But one of the things that I found really meaningful the past couple of years, I have a friend who's Jewish and she always invites me to an open house around Hanukkah. Yeah. And this year I was there for, um, candle lighting mm. and she always invites about maybe 60% is Jewish and 40% is not. Mm-hmm. Um, we always feel welcomed, and she's always a good ambassador, and I'm really happy to explain tradition. And, yeah. you know, if my uh, stepdaughter had questions or any of the non-Jews who might not be mm-hmm. savvy about what Hanukkah means. Sure. But the um, the lighting was really beautiful. Yeah, it's really cool. And folks kind of gathered in one room, and they had multiple. It's not a menorah. Uh, the The candle holder for the Hanukkah has a... I think it's called a Hanukkah. And uh, they had, uh, they were singing a song. Yeah, And yeah. like I started to feel like a little yeah. teary. It yeah. was beautiful. And I and I was sort of taking a step back and sort mm-hmm. of enjoying the lighting and enjoying yeah. the moment and enjoying the music mm-hmm. and, you know, not quite understanding everything, but understanding the connection and the mm-hmm. celebration and the moment of pause and the community yeah. and yeah. which is what all these things that we are supposedly trying to do around the holidays are supposed to have some meaning for so yeah I mean I think there's oh I mean I can't speak to all the world's major religions but like there's a connection of a moment of sort of scarcity and uncertainty that a lot of you know, the faiths kind of you know Hanukkah is the story and this is my like gentile knowledge of yep. it but that there was only supposed to be enough oil to light the lamp for one night and then there was enough oil to light the lamp for eight nights and you know Christmas like was a refugee family right. in a foreign land against rele- all odds relegated Somebody, to the yeah. barn, you know, with like the yeah. shepherds who were like the poor surrounding them. And like, even like, you know, Ramadan is a season of fasting and then it ends with the Eid dinner, which is a celebration, you know? Yeah. So it's this sense that I think that's the part that gets me through the holidays. Cause they're, they've all, they all come out of these broken places, yeah, you know, and like just a mess really. And then, there's a sense of like some, whether you call that God or, you know, the you know, sort of oneness with other people or, or whatever, there's a sense of 
you know, it's going to be okay. And it's grounded in community. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever happens, we're going to kind of figure it out together. I love that idea too, that I had broken a leg uh, a very long time ago when I was in my twenties and I used to bemoan the fact that I had this injury and I felt sort of decrepit for a while and it took a long time to heal. I healed well from it, but I remember having, um, a massage therapist who said, you know, like you're stronger in that place. Like, Mm. so the, I I love that idea that, you know, we're stronger from the broken places. We're stronger from the wounds. We're stronger from the healing. Um, we, and we all have, um, things like you were saying that are sensitivities or traumas or histories or Mm. family disputes or perhaps a recent loss and the holidays both Good and bad bring out that, uh, shine a light on it yeah. and kind of expose it. And, yeah. you know, that we allow ourselves that time to slow down. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that one of the things I had been writing about was the sense that, you know, this expectation that we crave holiday-ishness mm-hmm. or we crave like the cozy fire and the hot chocolate. Yeah. But what we're really craving is the slowing down. Yeah. Yeah. And the comfort. And the connection. And connection. And the disconnect from all the other crap. And even quietude. Yeah. Or solitude. Yeah. And I think all the other stuff is just, um, it's made up. It's mass marketing. Well, it is. It's a myth. Yeah. Because there's no, there's, you know, why would the, why would the holidays be some sort of forced expectation of happiness? No other time of the year that you're supposed to be happy. Mm-hmm except the last month or three months of the year. And then we're going to reset the clock mm-hmm. and then everything's, you're going to be completely tur- turned around we're and a different be, person. And we're going to be perfect. Of course. Yeah. So how yeah. do you, how do you slide easily into the next year? Like what do you feel like you want to leave behind and what do you want to look forward to? Me personally? Yeah. Um, I want to be a lot more intentional about my time. I think I, um, I don't, uh, I don't leave enough unstructured time and even, even like the, the little time off that I've had or just away from my regular job this week, there are certain things like that kind of can stir in your heart and in your mind that you just can't like hear when you're doing the Mm -hmm. like nine to five or nine to eight or whatever it is you're doing, you know? And like when I stop working, if you have the ability to take you know, even a, even a couple days from work, like, which I think most, hopefully people have a little bit of time off at this time of year. I know a lot of people that have to work through the whole thing, but you start to kind of listen to how you, like where you want to be going and like what you want to be doing. So for me, it's like, I try and my birthday is a few days after new Year's, So I'm kind of lucky in that. Well, as a kid, I didn't like that. Cause it was like, you know, the, the, the PS to Christmas was so. It was yeah, like, I'm I'm December twenty eighth. So oh, okay, I'm de- I'm January sixth. So yeah, um, <laughs> you Capricorn? I am. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. Fist bump. Yeah. Boom. Boom. I don't really know much about what that means. I gotta. I'm not. I'm. I'm kind of ignorant about that stuff. But um, we're hardcore baby. We're Type A's. Yeah. Oh, I'm like a failed Type A. <laughs> I would say I'm a failed perfectionist. I have high standards, but I don't ever maximize them but progress not perfection yeah that's the one I've had to maintain okay yeah (laughs) what you were saying basically is like recharge like how do we recharge how do we slow down um so maybe some practices around Mm -hmm. that and one of the things that I find helpful is 
I try to do a little inventory for myself. Yeah. So when I do have downtime, I, I do this with coaching clients as well because I, I do personal coaching on oh, the yeah, side. Oh, yeah, you told me that. Is I help, I help my clients, and I also do this for myself, as sort of like catalog accomplishments. Okay, that's and good. And like that's the idea ultimately of what a to-do list is. It's to make you yeah. feel like, okay, I can check things off. Right. I've been productive. Mm-hmm. And I'm always about like – if you're making up that list, put things on that you've already done. Oh, I, like, I've <laughs> done that. I write things. I write things down just to cross them off. Because you you're know. like, "Hey, I did that. That's yeah. awesome." But like, we take a little inventory. We take a little stock and things. Yeah. And um, we write down some hopes, mm-hmm. some like wildly improbable goals. Yeah. Some like. Yeah crazy wild things that were like in a million years someone would tell you you're crazy you're not yeah. going to do that yeah I totally put those things on there oh. and then I put the little tiny baby things like right. I know I can get done yeah and then I feel like I have a little bridge in between to my well you got to do some realistic you can't just say like I'm going to stop eating sugar on January 1st like that's not yeah. going to happen no. I mean although some people do that 30 for 30 st- or th- you know whole but 30 but I think inventory taking inventory and yeah. taking stock is way different than resolution so. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, because the one of them is done a little bit more gently, whereas a resolution, people kind of use like a stick to like yes. beat themselves a little bit, you know? And they don't work. New Year's resolutions, in my mind, don't work. No, and I think they're commodified like everything else. You know, there's yes. something that's being sold to us through like a system that, uh, you know, as my, my friend always calls it late-stage capitalism. I'm not that optimistic. I think it's still in its, you know, heyday, but... Yeah, I think it's just one more thing to make us run around. I just found this quote uh, that I that I pulled up. You know, you know Thomas Merton? Yes. The Trappist monk? Yeah. He's one of my absolute favorite uh, people. I've never met him, obviously, but this is from, uh, I'm not sure what book this is from, but uh, there is a pervasive form of contemporary violence to which the idealist most easily succumbs, activism and overwork. The rush and pressure of modern life are a form, perhaps the most common form of its innate violence. To allow oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concerns, to surrender to too many demands, to commit oneself to too many projects, to want to help everyone in everything is to succumb to violence. The frenzy of our activism neutralizes our work for peace. It destroys our inner capacity for peace. It destroys the fruitfulness of our own work because it kills the root of inner wisdom, which which makes work fruitful. That's beautiful. So it's some intense shit, right? Like, yeah. But I think it comes down to that. I mean, we're all just making, I mean, we're making ourselves sick with like the pace that we keep and the stress that we put on ourselves. And I think you know? it's folks who, who work to help others and to be problem solvers. Mm-hmm. It's, it's obviously extremely fulfilling work. Like mm-hmm. the work that you do as chaplain, the work that you do with the kids. Yeah. Um, work that I do as coaching, work yeah. that I do as writing. I love those things. I crave those things. But there's also obviously um, egos involved in that. Yeah. So it's great to feel needed. It's great sure. to feel yeah. purposeful. It's great. Um, and it can be a little addictive. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I think there's some, you know, as Americans, we're really bad on the self-regulation scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We eat too much. We work too much. We sleep not enough. Yeah. So when you have already that part of your personality where you want to do good in the world, yeah, there's always good that could be done. There's always more that can be done. Mm-hmm. You know, help. There's more people to help. There's more challenging things mm-hmm. to do. But there is also like you have to be in that mix. Yeah, like 
how can you like give to other people? You're doing like what he's saying is you're doing violence to yourself. If you don't take right. that pause. Yeah. My friend John used to say, I'm a human being, not a human doing. Mm-hmm. And like, it's a simple verb change, but I think, I mean, I fall afraid to that. Like if I'm not doing something, I feel like I'm just like, you know, we always make my, give my brother a hard time because he always says he's lazy, but he works harder than like anybody I know. But it's like, I think there's this sense of like, if I'm not working, if I'm not doing something, then like, who am I? What yeah. am I doing? You know, like, but that it's so, I have to put it in pretty stark terms to get myself to, to take a rest. Yeah. You know? Like, cause, cause I think this whole idea of self-care has kind of become like, um, almost like a meme of itself, mm-hmm. you know, like I can't do that. I have to do self-care and I've definitely rolled my eyes at people saying that. And, but I read this article recently, I came out a couple of years ago about how, um, rather than like a neoliberal invention, you know, like self-care is actually like the reason that anyone needs that is because they're not being taken care of in their like lives or in their kind of communities. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, we're kind of told to, to take care of ourselves. Like we're the problem. When in fact, like our our cultural kind of, and by the culture, I mean like West, sort of Western culture at large, obviously it's made up of a lot of other, you know, components, but expects a lot of us and tells us to like never stop. I don't really watch uh, regular TV. Like I just, not because I'm like so, you know, alternative. I just, I like Netflix. And, um, but every now and then I'll watch the news or like I'll watch commercials. And I remember like my whole like, childhood like of learning like what you're how you're supposed to behave and what you're supposed to do Mm -hmm. and what you're supposed to have and it's it's like an exhausting like treadmill that we're all on you know there's so much pressure it's It's crazy yeah so much pressure and I think the doing and the going we we do forget that um you know we're basically um we're basically meat suits that's all (laughs) that's all we are for like the you know the being part of us yeah so um, you know, our self-worth, we, whoever reminds you of this, whether you remind yourself or whether you remind mm-hmm. your friends or your family, like yeah. you're way more valuable just as you are, yeah. not what you have done. Yeah. And it, it, it feels great to be a doer and it feels great to be productive and it feels great to take care of other people. Yeah. But self-care is not necessarily selfish. Exactly. It's not self-indulgent. I, yeah. I think it has kind of a precious name, you know, yes. but like, and I get caught up in that, but if we don't, it can become, it can become right. almost dangerous. Well, just like, okay, so you and I both have dogs. Yeah. Do you feel like he, he or she, is it your, you have a he? He's a he. Yeah, yeah. I have a he too. Yeah. Do you think he's self-indulgent or whatever because he, na- my guy naps like 12 hours a day? Yeah, mine does too. I mean, I, 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 I had a therapist once who told me, just take some cues from your dog. Yeah. You know, he, he just, he's unabashed about his needs. Yes. I you mean. Know? You know, my guy's a little whiny, but yeah, he's a good boy. Yeah, like he needs his walks, mm-hmm. he needs his food, he needs to be loved. Yeah, and then he wants to be asleep. Yeah, check, check, <laughs> check. Sign me up. I mean, you know, as human beings, we probably need a little bit more. You know, we need Netflix and we need some good books. Yeah, but right, and intellectual stimulation. Yeah, yeah, and rent and all that. But yeah, yeah, no, I think there's a lot of cues that can be taken, and I mean, we're here for more than all that other bullshit you know like we're here for I think we're here for um some sort of fulfillment and and mm-hmm. some sort of deeper work and deeper call we're not just the species that figured out how to use compu- like make computers like yeah. that does that's not what separates us from everything else yeah you know there's something else going on with us 
One of the things that I've really enjoyed doing this holiday season is I always try doing a little bit of Christmas decorating because mm-hmm. um, Christmas is sort of our tradition. Um, but I don't go crazy. Like I'm not like, I don't have to have the best lights yeah. because you know what? The neighbors down the street, they have awesome lights. So if I'm going to go look at lights, I'll go look at theirs. You're not uh, like Clark W. Griswold. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and I could see myself, I might go in that direction if I had the time or the inclination, but I try not to walk around the house and see all the unfinished projects. Mm-hmm. I try to see like the ones that are at least partially finished or, yeah. you know, we bought kind of a Charlie Brown Christmas tree this year because mm-hmm. um, most of the years my fiance likes to get like the seven foot one. And I was like, let's scale back a little bit this yeah. year. You know, we've had we've had some financial things mm-hmm. happen to us this year. So like, let's just scale back a mm-hmm. little bit. It can still be a beautiful tree. And it's a kick ass tree. Yeah. So do you do tree? Yeah, it's in the basement, though, because the dog will eat it. <laughs> yeah. So it's in, the, it's in our laundry room. Yes, My, when I do laundry, I look at it. <laughs> you so you can't like gate it or like uh, he's just too clever. No, yeah, he's he's a thief. Yeah, he'd love to eat a Christmas tree. He would just he would eat the actual tree. I don't know what he would do, but yeah, I would be surprised if he didn't like gnaw on the. T- I'd probably find the tree in my bed when I got home. Wow. Yeah. My yeah. guy has not tried to uproot the tree, but he has looked. I found him several times with his head in the tree, mm. and he's eaten several ornaments. Yeah. Yeah. So we say it's that tricky. like he's looking for the really crunchy one. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for the crunchy the glass one. one. Yeah, mm, crunchy ornaments. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, it's very bad. So, what kind of um, things do you enjoy doing at the holidays that are like, I don't know, books or movies or little events mm-hmm. or do you have a favorite cho- hot chocolate or treat or something? Um, I. Really like um, just like walking around the city this time of year, mm-hmm. like um, without a without anything to do, you know, like uh, so just like walking through like Harvard Square downtown or like just like walk the whole length of Mass Ave or whatever. Um, and even even like walking the dog around at night and seeing the lights, just like kind of taking it all in. I just think that the the like the sun down has like a certain kind of vibe this time of year. It does. Um, I like the smell of the air when there's snow. Coming. Yeah. I really, I mean, yeah. I'm not a fan of the cold weather. Oh, I am. I would move in a heartbeat. Okay. But. Um, I'd move north in a heartbeat. So. <laughs> I'd be going yeah. in the other direction. No, yeah. I'd be going south. Yeah. Um, or west or something. Yeah. But I love the smell. I love that smell when it's going to yeah. snow. I love that. I love, um, I kind of like looking in, not like I'm like, you know, peeping on them but I just like looking in windows and seeing trees and yes. like I'll, also for me like going to like the the cycle of like advent is really important to me so like mm-hmm. the advent masses and all the readings about like kind of anticipation coming up and that whole idea of like like advent is about preparation you know it's like the beginning and so um it's kind of an extended time to like prepare for this idea of like light in the darkness mm-hmm. and so I try to think of it that way and I usually spend a lot of time alone because I have I've, before I worked at this job, I worked at a school. So I always had like t- I've always had time off. My my nonprofit shuts down the week between Christmas and New Year's. So you have to take the week off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've been lucky enough to have a lot of time and just yeah, I, I actually like to watch the office Christmas episodes because they're just like 
they kind of embody the ridiculousness of what can happen yeah. at this time of year. Um, there's this old movie from the 80s with Mary Steenburgen called One Magic Christmas. And that's my favorite I don't know Christmas that. movie. Yeah. And um, I like it because it's based in reality. It's like this family in Detroit that is being like pushed out of their company house because the father lost his job at a car manufacturing plant. And um, oh, it's already sounds uplifting. I'm just yeah, kidding. <laughs> no, but it's like it's 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 really beautiful. And my I always thought my mom looked like Mary Steenburgen, so we were like obsessed with it when we were kids. And it's uh, it's I I love that movie. And then National Lampoons is, is a favorite in my family. So we're, my siblings and I all can quote like the whole movie basically. So yeah, I like I like stuff like that. Um, I usually read a ton, but not necessarily about mm-hmm. Christmas. I have like I owe money to a couple different libraries right now, but I'm trying to. I'm trying to get all my books read this week. That's one thing I don't do around the holidays is I don't read. Like in January, I'll start my reading again, but it's fine. I'm too distracted. Yeah. I'm working too much. I don't have the headspace. Mm-hmm. And for me, I find it. I find reading really relaxing, but I have to almost like find space to be relaxed to then read. Like I can't force it. I feel or for me, at least, the reading starts to be something else that's on my to-do list. Oh, yeah. I mean, I haven't picked up a book since m- m- Monday. I picked up a book, but I hadn't. I had like six books on my nightstand. I hadn't read in like six weeks mm-hmm. since probably things Thanksgiving. So, yeah, it's a junk show. We all just run ourselves into the ground. <laughs> but then we're supposed to come out like bionic people and hit the gym at like 8 a.m. on New Year's Day. Yeah. So. Yeah. So everybody out there should just give give the idea of the gym on New Year's Day and just toss that right out the window. Put your sneakers on or your boots and go out and take a walk. Take a walk. Most gyms aren't even open on New Year's Day. Right. So And save your money too because if there's an activity that you really want to do, yeah. you'll find it. And mo- more than likely, there's some people that the gym is the thing that works for them. You have to find what works for you. Yeah. I didn't regularly really, I was, was kind of on and off with the gym for years and then I started boxing. Yeah. And that actually makes me go. I just start, I just started up again. So that's a been, that's what been do you huge, like about it? Um, it's one of the, so maybe five or six years ago, I had a real difficult, like, uh, time with some pretty severe anxiety. And, um, I decided to join the Y in Cambridge cause I knew they had boxing and I thought that just sounded badass, like tough, you know? And, um, it was the only thing I could do that would kind of turn my mind off, mm. you know? And, um, I stopped, I did it for a couple of years and then I stopped cause I had a, I have a bad ankle and then I just, I'm like literally like six weeks into it again. And, um, like after a long day where you like leave work and you know, you all have these, like, at least I have these like latent burdens of like what I did wrong that day or what I didn't mm, get done or just yeah. like these intense, intense things that can happen. And I go and box and it's almost like, it's like cleansing, you know, yeah. like it's like, um, it's not like you're beating the day up or beating anyone else up. It's not yeah. violent or aggressive. It's just like kind of doing like a, like we hold so much of it in our bodies, Yeah, you know, and it gets me back in touch with my like body and like where yeah. I'm holding things. And it's, it's kind of like empowering. And then you give yourself over to somebody else for an hour and they tell you what to do and when to do it. And I don't know, I just, I leave and I walk down the street and I have this clarity, like physical yeah. Spiritual clarity. Like boxing is actually a key component to my spiritual practice. I've come to that conclusion. I love like it. it's it's just as important to me as going to mass. It also sounds like it's empowering to you. It sort of reminds yeah. you of your little inner warrior, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you gotta put up your put up your mitts and like be like, I we'll figure this out. Like yeah. you know. 
This one lady uh, the other day found out I work with kids and she <laughs> she was holding the bag for me. I, we had just done some small talk and she was like, don't let those kids talk to you that way. And I'm like, well, I don't want to pretend I'm punching, <laughs> I'm punching kids. <laughs> but, you know, it was kind of funny. People people cheer each other on and it's a good camaraderie. Yeah. And I think the kind of work that you do, the two populations that you deal with, either people who are sick or recovering from mm-hmm. something in the hospital or working with kids, you have to be able to hold space for both of those groups when they are fragile. Like yeah. kids are not fully cooked people yet. Mm-hmm. So they are fragile just unto themselves. And people who are in the hospital, super fragile, yeah. super vulnerable. So you're doing a lot of like heart to heart connection. Yeah. And of course that's wearing on you both physically and mentally. So it makes a sense that you're then find an activity that you can be like physically connected to yourself mm-hmm. again. Yeah. And get out of that. You're you're basically what you're saying is you're regrounding yourself. Yeah. And I like you just did that with your hands, which I know we're only on audio, but um that idea of like, yeah, receiving and then like at the end of the day I feel like I have all of these things that most of which is privilege, beautiful things that I either, and I use the word beautiful in like a, a sort of, not like a shiny sense, but in like a, um, people have given me th- themselves, they've shared their yeah, stories, they've shown them. their vulnerabilities yep. to me, they've shared their hopes with me, and I work a lot with college students too, and, and like, just, you know, being with people wherever they're at, and then you have all this stuff at the end of the day, and even though it's, even if it's great, like I said, I was at the hospital yesterday, I was like, it was a great day at the hospital, but I spent a lot of time with people that are really sick. Yeah. And when I kind of go, and it's almost like boxing is sort of like giving it all up. To yeah, releasing it. Releasing it, go. it. Yeah. Putting it back out into the world. Right. And kind of just like... Recycling the energy. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of giving it back, I don't know, to someone. And for me, it's like asking, I mean, and asking like, you know, God, take, you know, this, I like you take this kind of, I'm offering up this to you and... There's a whole thing in um I forget which 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 part of the Hebrew scriptures is in, but um Jacob is wrestling with God and the angel, and then the, the angel like has him like punching himself in the face, and like so there's like kind of a like the worst big brother in the world, yeah, stop yeah. punching yourself, yeah, and like God's like wrestling with Jacob all night with this angel, and like um I mean, I think that's a lot of how our days mm-hmm. go through. We're just trying to keep ourselves from punching ourselves, you know, yeah. So it's more outward than inward. Yeah, I yeah. think one of the things that um, also helps ground me, it's its just such a minor thing. And I think even stopping and like we talked about it earlier, having a dog, you know, having to walk the dog. Yeah. It's a way physically to sort of kick out cobwebs mm-hmm. or stop looking at the computer screen yeah. or stop thinking about all the 12 things mm-hmm. that you have to do and like, in my house, you can't not walk the dog. Like, yeah, he won't. He won't leave me alone. Same. So <laughs> yeah, you know, like I have a hound. You have a hound, right? I have a hound. Yep. Yeah. So yep. oh yeah, they they hound you. Yeah, I mean, he will howl. He will literally howl until <laughs> what's his coat? name again? Arnie. Arnie. He was he was featured in the um, MATV holiday greetings. Wow. We recorded a personal greeting with the family upstairs in the studio. Okay, I've got to check that out. And then. he actually, yes, people can view that online. It's the Goodwin Ryan family holiday <laughs> greeting. And Arnie is a special guest. He was in That's the studio. Awesome. Wow. And uh, he actually howled on cue. On cue. And they did a really nice little camera shot where they did a close-up on him. That's beautiful. So, All right. 
cool. Production values were just amazing. I'll check that out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't stop and take a walk around the block at 10 o'clock at night without a dog. Uh, no, and, I mean, I wouldn't would get you? up in the morning at sunrise and take a walk without. I mean, right. Yeah. Like that would never happen. Like, I'd but like they are nice excuses. But to it's do wonderful. That. Yeah. You're out there and it's like, thank, you know, thank God I have a reason to leave the house. And you actually have to, I, I called him, you know, most people would say the best social lubricant is alcohol. I think that works in some situations for some people. However, I think a really, really awesome social lubricant is having a dog, Absolutely. having a pet. Yeah. You meet your neighbors, you get out and see the neighborhood. Um, because I am an avid do-gooder, I walk the bike path and sometimes I pick up trash and I feel good about myself. Wow. Yeah. So people are going to think I'm total a total nerd, but no, I don't always do it. I do it when I feel like it. Or when there's like stuff blowing across the road, but it's a great, it's also a great pause in the middle mm -hmm. of the day. Like, oh, it's sunshine or mm -hmm. there's rain or, oh, hey, it's snowing or yeah, whatever. Like yeah. you get to notice some stuff. What's happening. Yes. Yeah. The temperature. I used to love in Malden, I'd go out and I could always smell the New England Coffee Company. I love that. At night. I love yeah. that. And now um, we live around the corner from a bakery. So if I get up in the middle of the night or early in the morning, I smell the bread baking at the yeah. bakery. Depending know? upon what the weather is and what the season is, I live near the Rumney Marsh. Sometimes I can smell the ocean. Oh, wow. It depends. I used to catch a whiff of the ocean in Malden every now, every now and then. Yep. Yeah. Not in Somerville, though. Yeah. But. So it's down the street and across the street. It's not far. Okay. And then there's also the lovely smell of Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. So. You can't beat that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like fried goodness, but right. still. Yeah. Yeah. There was something vanilla-y today in the neighborhood, and I thought that perhaps like Dunkin' Donuts was adding something to their menu, or I don't know what it was, but anything else that we should think about or cover here? Did we want, we kind of did tips and tricks. Yeah, I mean, just calm the fuck down is my best <laughs> tip. Like, it's not going to matter. Yeah. You know? And instead of New Year's resolutions, do you have any suggestions to people? I think think about what you want to do that's fun. Yes. Like think about what you want to do that's going to make you feel good. Not right. like not like it's not a prison sentence. Like right. you're not giving yourself probation. Right. You know. You've, you haven't been judged. Like yeah, yeah. trying not to judge yourself There's so no harshly. Jury. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I'm speaking as a person who like is just like my worst enemy generally. Yes. So I'm speaking from experience and also out of my own hypocrisy. But um right. like I think one thing I'm going to try to so I the only the two things I've come up with so far are I have a lot of friends I made through the hospital training I did last year from different faiths. And so I want to visit a different faith community every month this year. Oh, that's cool. And I've already got one lined up. I'm going to go to my friend Linda's synagogue in January. So I want to make, I want to make myself, I want to do that because that's something I really want to do and I want to stay connected to them. And I want the boxing, the guy that, that's the head of the boxing class to know my name. Nice. Because all the people that are good, he goes up and like gives high fives to and like, knows them and they're like buddies and he doesn't know who I am and I'm still in the like they won't let me leave the ring yet because they're like retraining me how to box so I'm like by next year you will know my name Very so nice. that's that's it one of the things yeah. that um that I have that I want to start and I'm and I'm okay with it starting in January but I want to get back to swimming oh cool I used to do a lot more swimming yeah and I was talking to um, a friend of mine and she was talking about how not only is it great exercise, um, but it's a great spiritual practice because it's all about totally. breath. Yeah. It's all about like pause and being movement. a little meditative and movement. Yeah. And um, 
I just love how I feel when I'm in the water. And, you know, as I've gotten older and as I've gotten, you know, gained some weight, you start to feel creaky and you Mm -hmm. start to judge yourself and you start to, you know, be aware of every ache and pain. Mm -hmm. When you're in the water, you're weightless. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you look like. First of all, nobody can see you because you're up to your neck. And it's the why, so no one cares. And you know what? If I take my glasses off, I can't see them either. Yeah. So I have like that, that little right. animal thing kicks in. Like mm-hmm. if I can't see them, they can't see me. Yeah. So I'm like, that's my thing. I bought my Speedo onesie. Awesome. I bought my my uh, special goggles. Your, your swim cap? I have my swim cap. I've already talked to my uh, hairdresser who was like, don't swim whatever you do because your hair has oh, died. No. She gave me this special stuff oh, to put right. in my hair. Cool. So my uh, dying process will hopefully yeah. age pro- appropriately. Great. I'm prepared. And I'm yeah. like, and I've also given myself permission that I'm not going to be doing it five days a week. No, to that's start nuts. Out with. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, I'm going to try two days yeah, a week. And we'll see. Maybe I'll even say it's one day a week and I'm, I'm successful at that. I'll yeah. give myself a pat on the back. Yeah. And um, and also know that um, January is tough because there's little a light. Mm-hmm. It's cold. It's cold as fuck here in January. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just going to try and like slide into the new year yeah. knowing that the end of this year has been busy. There's been some really great things that have happened. Mm-hmm. Starting this podcast has definitely been one of yeah, them. Yeah, it's awesome. The Malden Writers Collaborative is always good. It always helps inspire some more writing. Totally. Um. And my other thing that I really want to work on this year, which you and I had talked about, was um, some storytelling, some live to Yeah, you got to do that. Have you done anything with that yet? I haven't. Yeah. I've gotten on some lists. I've okay. Lo- I've looked at the um, schedule and there's a class potentially coming up. From Mass Mouth? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's the one I took. Yeah, it's great. So tell me about your experience with it. With the class? Uh, yeah, and where you were on the, the yeah. PBS show. Uh, so I have, I'm not sure if I made this show yet. They're not going to have let me know yet, but it was okay. stories from the stage on WGBH in the world. Channel. Live storytelling. Live storytelling. Moth, moth-like or moth-associated? Moth moth, uh, not moth-associated, but okay. like some very similar, same, yeah. I- same idea, um, I think. Um, and the story that I told on that night actually came out of the class. So they were asking, so it was a three, three, three classes and um, just learning like the basics of storytelling. And then it kind of ended with a showcase of all the stories at Club Passim mm. in Cambridge, which was really fun. But the example of the story, like they were like, you know, who can think of a story or whatever? You had to come up with like a story pitch in like three minutes. And I was like, well, this thing that happened to me, but like, that's not really a story. And then the woman who's running the class, uh, Cheryl was like, that's a story. And it had never occurred to me before that this thing was a story. And then I started thinking about it. I formulated it into a story. And then that's the story that I, they asked me to do for the show. So I think we often think we're a lot less interesting than we I mean, yeah. I don't know, Some people think they're a lot more interesting than they are. But uh, most people I meet actually think that they're less interesting than they actually are. So getting I think one of the benefits of storytelling is like other people can kind of let you know, like, that's no, that's like pretty cool. Like, right. tell me more about that. And then um you know, a story is not just an anecdote is what they tell you. You know, it's like all of us have weird shit that's happened to us, but that's not a story. A story is if you can think of like, what was the, what did you get out of it? It doesn't have to be with a, doesn't have to have a bow on it. You know, it could end in a junk show, but yeah. it, it's still a story. So it's made me think a lot about, kind of made me kind of go through my, my life, like a little inventory, like trying to mm-hmm. see like, what can I find? 
you know, and, um, I've got some stories. Yeah, I bet. So yeah, you got to do that <laughs> and it's taken off. I mean, there's so, I'm doing another one in, uh, in January at the riot theater in, um, JP. Nice. They have an improv group that you tell your story and then they do an improv of it. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. Please tell me I when will. you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure what, that, what to make of that, but, uh, it's gonna be fun. I think. Yeah. I think it, to me, it feels like a little bit risky. Oh, it is. Um, yeah. which I like. Yeah. Um, but the way you just described your process sounded very fluid. Super. And so, you know, I love that idea of having a general idea of where you're going, but not having it be so rehearsed and so planned that, um, you're, you know, bound to that. Yeah. Um, and I love the idea too of storytelling being fluid Mm-hmm. And being a little spontaneous and happening in the moment. And people are also responding to what you're saying. Exactly. Like, I'll say something that I did not think was funny at all. And people will start laughing. And I'm like, oh, no shit. All That's right. That's the best feeling it's in the, the world. It's the best feeling in the world. Yeah. and Because um, you know that they're with you. Totally. And then it gets better from there. You know? I, I try not to have jokes that I think are going to be funny. Because then right. you just look like a moron. Right. And if people have over-practiced and it's canned, you can tell right away. Yeah. You know? So it's... I mean, it's, it's, it's a, I think it's hard for a lot of us to be authentic because we want to impress people and we want to come off a certain way. So it, it's like, it's like practicing how to be yourself. Right. You know? And it, and there's vulnerability in it too. And so that's scary and it can be, it can be really scary, but I think it's also really rewarding and that's, those are the stories that interest me. Mm -hmm. So those are the stories that I want to tell. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to go and like drag up every like crazy shit show that's ever happened to me. Yeah. Or give someone an undigested, raw Or I think we talked about this before. You speak from your scars, not from your wounds. Right. Yeah. Right. So you've processed it a little bit. Mm -hmm. You have some perspective on it. Yeah. Um, And it's not in the moment so raw that you're going to, you know, hurt yourself or potentially trigger someone else. Right. So, yeah. That's yeah. cool. So, yeah, it's it's super fun. You should you you should definitely do it. Cool. Yeah. I think I may do that. Yeah. So, so that will be a goal for next year. Cool. Yeah. So, anything else that we should uh share with the listening audience? We've got like 5 minutes. Yeah. We could do some sort of wrap up. Okay. Do you have any other quote or thought or thing that you'd like to leave us with Hmm. keeping quiet by pablo neruda and now we will count to 12 and we will all keep still for once on the face of the earth let's not speak in any language let's not stop for one second and not move our arms so much it would be an exotic moment without rush without engines we would all be together in sudden strangeness Fishermen in the cold sea would not harm whales, and the man gathering salt would not look at his hurt hands. Those who prepare green wars, wars with gas, wars with fire, victory with no survivors, would put on clean clothes and walk about with their brothers in shade doing nothing. What I want should not be confused with total inactivity. Life is what it is about. I want no truck with death. If we were not so single-minded about keeping our lives moving and for once could do nothing, perhaps a huge silence might interrupt this sadness of never understanding ourselves and of threatening ourselves with death. Perhaps the earth can teach us, as when everything seems dead and later proves to be alive. Now I'll count up to 12, and you keep quiet, and I will go.
All right, so this is called The Peace of Wild Things by Wendell Berry. When despair grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and feel above me the day-blind stars waiting for their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, thank Th- you, Felicia. Thank you so much. This was fun. This I'm was so great. glad you came on. Yeah, this was such a treat. Thank so you so you're, much. So you're my second guest. On... That's, that's an honor. I feel like I should have a T-shirt that says I was the second guest I on know. High I think we're going to take like a picture. Okay. And we'll put that up so people know. Cool. I should have worn my nice hoodie. <laughs> you usually have a hat on, so you can put the hat on if you want. It's no, up to you. Yeah, it's okay. I'm good. <clears throat> and uh, so, yep, this was Hi, Felicia. And this is the second podcast. And my guest was Heather Angel. Thank right. you. You were an angel. Oh, well, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia.